You're listening to the Cheer Biz Podcast, where we dive into the business of running and owning your gym. Join us as we speak to industry experts, business gurus, and discuss how we can take your passion and turn it into profit. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we're going to be talking about a subject that one of you asked for uh, in a and we wanted to know how to best diffuse parents, how to handle those issues when they arise and calm people down and diffuse those situations. So we are going to be diving into that today. Now, before we get into the episode, please make sure you have gone over to Cheer and Gymnastics Gym Owners on Facebook. You've joined that group if you are a gym owner. You've joined All-Star Cheer Coaches and Owners if you are a coach and or owner coach. And you've gone over to nextgenowners.com to check out all of our offerings to include how to join the Academy. There is no better time to join the Academy than right now. Take control of your business, change it, get it to where you want it to be. The last thing I'm going to push, and I'm going to push it a couple times during this podcast, is you've got to get to our San Diego conference. Ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be absolutely amazing. It is going to have all sorts of new content. So if you attended our Dallas conference, you are going to get more and new conference in San Diego. We always have new content at our conferences. Plus, we have a number of amazing guest speakers that were not in Dallas to include Jessica Forte, who's going to be giving a bunch of information about choreography. Sean Guzman and Callie Seitzer, two of the best technical coaches in the industry. You got to get there. It's going to be absolutely amazing and bring your staff. Now, let's get into how we diffuse parents and how I spend time uh, managing this within my gym. So I mentioned one of you had asked about this in in our Facebook page I had posed, you know, what questions or what are your biggest questions uh, that you have? And maybe I'll get to answer it on the podcast. And this was one that came up that I have some expertise in. Uh, I actually have a lot of experience diffusing people, uh, both in incredibly high stress situations as well as in the gym. Um, I have been in real life situations uh, where people have been armed. I I actually was involved in a pseudo hostage style situation uh, early on in my career uh, where two people were essentially fighting over a gun. And if one of them got it, uh, he was going to kill the other and the other was trying to keep him from getting it. And um, it was a, a domestic situation. It was a long kind of negotiation and in 30 degrees, it was freezing cold out. It was actually New Year's Eve. Um, and so I've been in situations like that. I've been in situations where I've had to talk to people um, who are incredibly elevated and emotional. And I was you know, separated from that where they had maybe just experienced something incredibly traumatic or bad. Uh, and I had to diffuse them so I could get the information I needed. And then I've also, obviously, because I've been a gym owner for the last bunch of years and a coach well before that, I've spent a lot of time also um, diffusing parents and diffusing athletes and managing those situations in my gym. So it is not a, um, it's not something that I don't have experience with. So we're going to dive into this. We're going to talk about my strategies for these situations. Um, and I hope you get something out of it. So 
Number one, the uh, biggest thing I want to do in terms of diffusing parents and managing issues and those kind of things is I want to solve them before they happen. So what are the reasons that people are the most likely to get elevated and need diffusing when it comes to our cheer gym? Uh, well, it or gymnastics, it's going to be something happened with my child that I was not there for. And now my child is coming home and telling me X, Y, and Z happened. Or maybe it is the situation where the parent is watching a practice and they see an athlete come out of a spot, come out of their stunt, um, have their position changed, and now they're heated and furious and they spent the whole practice pissed off and angry and wondering why you did that and why you're punishing their kid. Those are kind of the two most common reasons we see it happening uh, within cheer and gymnastics. You know, something was taken away from them. They were some, their child was somehow mistreated. Um, this is where an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of problem solving, right? So if we can prevent this problem from escalating, we are going to save ourselves a lot of time, energy, and frustration. Now, how do we prevent this problem from escalating? Well, it comes from open communication. We've got to be actually getting in front of parents early, getting in front of athletes early, ideally before the thing happens and having that uncomfortable conversation on the front end when emotions are not charged, when people can be mentally and emotionally receptive to the information. So what I mean by that is I actually just went through this on one of my teams. I have an athlete, wonderful kid, incredibly hard worker. She was a flyer on our team last year. Um, she is beautiful in the air, but she has grown at least six inches since last season. Um, and she is strong. So she's not heavy. She's not overweight, but her group with the bodies that we have on the floor, we're not able to keep her in the air and keep her successful, which created a significant problem. And, I had to make the really tough decision that I was going to take her out of one of our stunt sequences, the main stunt sequence. We call them elites. Some people call them series. Some people call them whatever. I don't know. We call them elite sequences. So we took them out of, took her out of her spot in the elites was my plan. And we'd given it time and it just was not working. And so I could have just walked into practice and been like, you're out, you're in. And when they were frustrated about it, been like, suck it up. I don't care. It's not about you. It's about the team. Like all those things are accurate, but that would have been a horrible way to handle it. And I would have just dealt with it on the back end. So instead I sat down with her parents ahead of time and I said, Hey, here's where things are at. This is my concerns. Uh, they agreed with me. They said, we totally understand. Uh, we just want her to be healthy and happy and growing. And I said, that's exactly what I want as well. We strategized, we talked, they gave me some of her opinions. And then I sat down with the athlete after that. And I said, Hey, here is where we're at. I don't like to give you this bad news, but I want you to be aware. I also want to set the tone of you know, it's not because of this. It's not because of this. It's not because of this. It is only because of these factors. And I have to make those hard decisions. We had that conversation. There was no drama around it. Like she was sad. Certainly she cried. It sucked. I hate it. Um, but 
it it was a essentially non-event. Now, if I had handled that a little differently, it would have been a major event. This also may be a situation where you may not think something's going to become an event, but it does because you're paying attention in practice and you make a change. You're like, oh, this formation's a mess. Um, you go there, uh, move to that spot, you come to center, and great. And that kid, for some reason, was very, very wrapped around the axle of being in that spot. Or maybe it is an athlete that has a behavioral issue or they're really sucking at practice today and you come down really hard on them because they're not focused or they're causing problems or they're doing those things and they're being dramatic and they're crying and it's, it's kind of a big thing. And as you end your practice, you have two options. And I talk to my staff about this. We train on it every single year. You have two options. Option A, which is generally what we instinctively want to do, which is I'm going to go in the office, the staff room. I'm going to sit out here on the floor. You leave. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to your parents. Uh, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, That option is not the best option for preventing issues in the future. The best option is to go out with the athlete, say, hey, we're going to go talk to your parents. Go out, talk to the parents, say, here's what happened at practice tonight. Here's my perspective. Here's what needs to change in the future. Or here is why I made the decision that I made and communicating that all to the parent, okay, from you directly in person right there. If you don't do that, what happens is the athlete is now the person who gets to put their narrative forward. And that is absolutely not what we want to be happening. If the athlete is the first person on the record, the parent is then going to be more apt to believe them. You've now cemented a story in their mind and you've now got to convince them that that story is inaccurate or untrue in some way, shape or form. And oftentimes the athlete is not going to clearly convey what was stated because they're a kid. This is why it's also good to check in with parents so they can reinforce the message that you were giving because the athlete, the moment you give them the news that you are giving them, the moment you say, I'm taking you out of your stunt, everything you say after that is wah, 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 wah. Like they're living in a stressful situation. So their retention of the information you're telling them is going to be very little. So what happens is that kid goes home. Hey, they took me out of my stunt. The parent goes, what? Why? What's going on? And the kid goes, I don't know. Did they tell you anything? I mean, no, not really. And so now the parent is pissed and you're like, I had a 10 minute conversation with this child, which is why you need to have conversations with both. So you've got to prevent these issues on the front end to save yourself a bunch of time, frustration and hell on the back end. All right. So now let's get into how you should handle a situation. If you're having a meeting with someone who is heated, how do you diffuse this situation right away. Um, because people are going to be coming in emotionally charged. Why? Because they're talking about something they're passionate about. They're talking about their children. You're also going to be emotionally charged. Uh, I routinely joke that I can respond to a man with a gun call and I am less nervous than I am going into what I know is going to be a contentious meeting with a parent. Like it's the dumbest thing in the world, but it comes down to you're emotionally invested in this thing. And when you are emotionally invested, things feel a lot bigger and a lot more real. So you want to make sure you can do whatever you can to take the emotion out of it. 
This is why I like to wait before I have meetings when I know people are heated. So I would like to handle things immediately in the moment, unless it is a, hey, I'm super pissed off. We need to talk right now. If we're in person, maybe. But if I'm heated, they're heated, I might ask to reschedule. What I really, really hate is when people try to have like long conversations over text message. I'm always like, nope, we're not going to do that. I'm also not going to do the game of we need to have a meeting as soon as possible. And I say, what is it about? What is it pertaining to? And you go, we just need to have a meeting. We'll talk about it there. Mm, no, that's not that's not how this is going to work. I need to know what your issue is so I can be prepared because as I've grown in a, having a staff, there are things that happen in my gym that I don't actually know without getting information. I'm not at the gym every single night. I don't want to be at the gym every single night. I did that at one point as an owner. It's not something I want to go back to. So one is prepare for your meeting. Okay. How you prepare for your meeting is you have, you gather necessary information and make sure you are prepared Two, arrive for the meeting early get situated, get things comfortable, set up your position, your desk, whatever it is, have your notes out, do all that stuff, be ready to go, be prepared. It will help reduce your stress level. Three, when you start the meeting, I always like to start with, you have asked to have a meeting, you have some concerns, I would like to hear from you what your perspective is and how you're feeling, and I'm just going to listen, and then we'll go from there. Does that sound fair? And then they generally go, yep, that sounds fair. And I go, okay, great, go ahead. And then I let them talk. And I do everything I can to not interrupt and say, no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. I, I try to just process. I write notes. I write things down that they're saying, especially if there's things that I need to, to counterpoint or things that I want to say, okay, I can acknowledge that that was maybe something that we can do better at. And then after they've talked, I'm going to say, I appreciate you sharing that all with me. Thank you for that information. Um, I'd like to give you a couple responses. Is that okay with you? Um, do I need their permission? No. But is it all right to say, is that okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't take away your power in the situation. Um, so yeah, that's okay. Okay, great. Now you're going to be receptive to what I have to tell you. Uh, I like to start with, you know, I can see how this situation made you feel this particular way, or I can see how this was a problem. Like I'd like to try to show that I am at least sympathetic to what they are experiencing. What I want to avoid um, is, unless I'm trying to piss this person off, is, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Because that is a very roundabout way of saying, I am not sorry at all other than that you feel a particular type of way. Now, there are times where I will say, wow, I'm really sorry that what I said or what you, what you heard from me made you feel that way. I never wanted you to feel like that. That wasn't what I was trying to make happen. Um, that's the, I'm saying the same thing without making it be very dismissive. Now, have I used the dismissive side? Yeah, absolutely, I have. And sometimes it was to be dismissive, but generally that's not productive for diffusing. And it's just me trying to score a win and scoring wins doesn't score anyone actual points in this whole conversation. So from there, after I've given feedback, I'm going to check on understanding, right? I want to say, okay, so after you've heard my side, you know, what are you thinking? What are you, what are you feeling? 
and I'm going to check on their understanding. You know, what did you get from that? What did I say there? Uh, or what is your interpretation of what I just told you? That's going to help with reducing the amount of stuff that they're not processing because again, they're coming in emotionally charged, which is why I like to let them talk. I like to let them just word dump at the beginning because that actually will help them calm down. And then I'm going to talk after them and I'm going to give them feedback. I also need to make sure that I'm avoiding becoming defensive. It's very, very easy to become defensive and be pissed off and fire back and clap back and do all that stuff. Avoid it. It's not productive to having a adult conversation, even if the person you are talking to is not being an adult. Even if they're not being an adult, yes, I have been in situations where I've gotten in a yelling match with people before. It's not productive. No one wins. So make sure you are managing your defensive standpoint. All right. So bring them in, let them talk, give them feedback, and then give actionable steps on how you're going to move forward from the situation. The next thing I like to do or I want to I want to emphasize as you go into diffusing is I want you to really think about the tone, the tenor and tempo of your voice. How are you speaking in these meetings, in these discussions? Because the way in which you present your body, the way in which you articulate your words and the way in which you speak is going to dramatically change how someone receives the information you are giving them. Now, I can talk really, really fast. In fact, you've heard less episodes where I have probably talked really, really fast. And you've been like, Dan, you need to slow down. So if I go into a meeting with a parent and I am talking at this speed and I am speaking very, very quickly and very, very articulately and making sure I enunciate everything that I am saying, and I say, look, we are meeting about your daughter because your daughter was not paying attention in class. And because your daughter was not paying attention in class, it put everyone else at risk. And when everyone else is at risk, I have to take steps to correct that situation because I am a coach and it is my job to make sure that everyone is safe during my classes. Do you understand? I can say it that way. Or I can simply modulate my tone. I can speak slower. I can drop things into a lower register because as things get higher and more nasally and more up there and accelerated, they feel more stressful as opposed to taking things a step back and saying, hey, the reason we're meeting is because your daughter was struggling with paying attention in class. When that is occurring, it puts everyone else at risk because I'm having to divide my attention. I'm not able to pay attention to the athletes and your daughter who is causing a distraction. On top of that, other athletes are distracted. And I'm a coach. It's my job to make sure that everyone, to include your child, is safe during class. And so unfortunately, because of that, I'm going to have to have situations where we your, your daughter may get reprimanded. And it doesn't mean I don't like them. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means in that moment in time, they weren't behaving. And I want to make sure that we have a safe environment in our gym. Does that seem fair? Right? I'm now lowering my register. I'm taking pauses. I'm taking my time to explain this situation. Pauses are great. There is a natural desire for humans to fill dead space, to fill dead air. When you ask someone a question, it's okay to sit and wait. I bet you just got uncomfortable. I bet you looked at your phone and were like, has it stopped? Because 
you're used to there being constant flow of, of word that space is not there. We've got to get comfortable with that in these kind of situations. So those are my three kind of top methods for diffusing parents, uh, making sure that we're avoiding these kind of issues in the future, as well as how to handle them when they exist. Now, I know it's not easy. I know it's not simple. The best way to prepare for this stuff is to practice. I have lots and lots and lots and lots of practice. And I will tell you, I had situations in the field that I didn't handle perfectly as a police officer. I've had conversations with parents that I did not handle perfectly because I got too emotionally charged. But reps are going to make you better at this. The more you practice, the better you're going to be. Now, how do you practice if you don't have pissed off parents? Well, you can role play. So the next time you have a staff meeting, leaving this episode, I want you to make a plan for this. The next time you have a staff meeting, do an exercise with your staff. Hey, everyone is going to run through a uncomfortable parent meeting and have one of your staff members play the parent um, and you can do a demo for everyone. Hey, you're the parent. You're angry that your daughter got taken out of this stunt or that your daughter got sat down during tumbling class uh, or that she didn't work on her back handspring, whatever, right? You just come up with this scenario and then you have them go and you handle it, give them the example, and then have them role play with each other or have them uh, role play with you being the parent. Sometimes with each other could get a little bit distracting because they're going to try and mess with each other. That does happen. But the more you role play these things, the more you practice them, the better you're going to get at the real thing. Because you're going to start to create a list of things you can say in those situations. And you're going to go, oh, that works well. That doesn't work well. So practice it. Just like we practice cheer, just like we practice tumbling, practice it's going to make you better in the moment when you're trying to diffuse parents. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're looking for another great podcast, you've got to check out the Let's Talk Cheer podcast with Jason Larkins. Also, the Cheer Mom podcast. We don't even have an agreement, but it's a great podcast. You got to go listen to it. Uh, she's a fantastic person and putting out great content there. And she's giving the parents perspective, which I think is really valuable. And lastly, get registered for conference. Make sure you're there. It's going to be amazing. You get to meet me in person if you've never done it and you're excited about that. I will be in San Diego. So make sure you are at our San Diego conference. Hope you love the episode. With that, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.